0: Welcome to Tardy Mecha Nachyomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Adina Schmidman, and today we will be learning Sefer Yehoshua, Perek Yud Dalid. Yesterday, we began to read about the Chiluk Ha'aretz, the apportioning and distribution of the land of Israel. The Shvatim of Reuven, Gad, and half of Menashe received their portions as designated by Moshe on the east side of the Yardin. And in this parak, we read about the distribution of land on the west side of the Yardain River. Yehuda will be the first Shevet to receive land, acknowledging his leadership role among the Shvatim. As we learn about the Chiluk of the land, there are so many details that we may find obscure or not relevant for us today. It's important to remember what we learned in Parak Aleph. If you recall, the Gemara in the Durham, Dav Khafza me Beis, Shares, Amar Rav Ada bar bilvad. Rav Ada the son of Rabbi Hanina said, had Yisrael not sinned in earlier times, they would have been given the 5 books of the Torah and the book of Yehoshua alone. They needed the book of Yehoshua because it included the arrangement of Eretz Yisrael. Since it contains the division of Eretz Yisrael among the Shvatim, it was required for all generations. It's critical that we appreciate these details that are included in Sefer Yehoshua. Not just the narrative, but the granular descriptions of the territories given to Bnei Yisrael. Learning about the land, the contours, the topography... The divine choreography of each shevet receiving the land designated for the needs and wants of its particular Shavet transmits the value of our land. It's not just a land. It's a carefully thought out gift that was given with so much love and care. By way of an analogy, it's the difference between an Amazon gift card and a stunning bracelet bought with intention Knowing the desire and taste of your loved one, our land is our sacred gift, and the details allow us to appreciate it more and more. Knowing the exact borders allows us to perform the mitzvot that are unique to the land, and additionally, the Lev Aaron explains that these detailed descriptions are included to assure that there would be no disputes. As all is delineated. It's a powerful message. The Navi is using up airtime or text space to assure peace among the people. Every word is holy and perfectly placed as it speaks to the value of shalom ba'aretz. Literally. The Barbanel shares that the narratives of the book of Yehoshua are not merely genealogical or historical accounts. The book of Yoshua holds the unique distinction of bearing testimony to the fulfillment of Hashem's prophecies made to the Avos, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and to Moshe, concerning the conquest and settlement of Eretz Israel. All the promises were realized without exception, and it is for this reason that the book of Joshua was written. At the end of his life, And we'll see this together. Yahushua himself testifies to the fulfillment of Hashem's promises regarding the conquest and delivery of the delineation of the land. So with this understanding, let's take a look at the process of dividing and assigning the areas in Eretz Yisrael to the Shvatim. How did the Goro, the lottery, look? Let's take a look at the Gemara Bavabasra, Daf Kuf Chaf Be'ez Amud Aleph. The Gemara seems to be presenting two opinions of how the land was apportioned. Lo nischalka ela Bigoro shene amar ach in Bamibar 2655. And then in the next Pasuk in Bamibar, it says, Velo nischalka ela beurim Vitumim shene amar al pi that the land was divided with the Urim Vitumim, as it says it was done with the pronouncement of the Goro. How is this possible? Ha Ketzad. Elazar Melubash Urim Vitumim, the Yehoshua Vachol Yisrael Omdim Lifanav. The kalpi shall Shvatim, the kalpi shall Tchumin Munachim Lifanav. The Bryce explains that Elazar Ha was dressed in the Urim V'tumim, and Yoshua and all the Jewish people were standing in front of him. There was a lottery receptacle containing the names of the Shvatim, and another one containing the names of the boundaries of the 12 different regions of Eretz Yisrael. V'haya mechavin beruach hakodesh ve'omer, zivulan ole, t'chum ako ole imo, taraf b'kalpi shvatim do zevulon. With Ruach HaKodesh, Elazar would announce the name of the Shevet and the name of the territory. And after stating this, he would mix up the names of the Shvatim and he would mix up the names of the territories and then pull out the name of the Shevet and its boundary. And then he would repeat it. Naftali, ole, utchum ginosar ole imo. Naftali is going to be chosen and this particular region is going to be chosen. And then he would put in his hand and pull out Naftali and then put in his hand into the other receptacle and pull out the region. And so he would do for every shevet. So the Goral affirmed the Ruach HaKodesh of the Urim Vitomim hasuk Aleph, the ela asher Nachalu beney israel ba'eretz kanaan and these are what the children of israel inherited in the land of kanaan asher nichalu osam elazar ha kohen yoshua nun ve'rasha avos hamatos livnei israel which were assigned by elazar ha yoshua Bin nun and the heads of the shvatim of the beney israel big goral nachalasam Hasher Hashem biyad Moshe hamatos with the lottery of their inheritance as Hashem had commanded through Moshe for the nine and a half shvatim. And why a Goro? This procedure was used so that all of B'nai Yisrael would see that every single shevet was receiving its fair share according to the divine plan. Pasuk K, five, Hashem Es Moshe, asu Israel, As Hashem commanded Moshe, so the Bnei Israel did, and they divided the land. Knowing what we know, who in fact got what, not all the portions were the same. In fact, we'll read in the next parak that the text spells out 112 cities and towns for Yehuda, while the numbered cities of all the remaining seven shvatim also equals 112. B'nai Yisrael embraced the process, and this is not just something to acknowledge, but it's something to aspire to. This can only happen with an appreciation of the divine and an appreciation of the uniqueness and the needs of each shevet. Think about it. Would children in any way tolerate receiving all different gifts? The only way they do so is if they understand the love and concern and care of the parent who is purchasing something unique for each one. But before any of the land on the west side of the Yardin is allocated, Kalev steps forward with the fellow members of his shavet with him for morale. Pasatvav 6. Vayikshu Yehuda El Yoshua Bagilgo. It's interesting to note the word Vayigshu. We see the same root word when Yehuda approached Yosef, both their ancestors, namely Yehoshua and Kalev. And here too, there's an addressing of an authority with a grievance. Back to Pasuk Vav. Hashem You know, you're aware of that which Hashem told Moshe, the man of God, Al concerning me and concerning you, Bekadesh Barnea. We are now privy to a dialogue between Kalev and Yahushua. Kalev reminds Yahushua about Moshe's promise. You see, back in the desert, 45 years before, Kalev was promised the city of Hebron for remaining steadfast and faithful in spite of the panic that the other spies instilled. His request now is to fulfill this promise. Let's listen to Kalev's perspective of this watershed event in Jewish history. Kalev explains that he was 40 years old at the time of the spies and is now 85 years old. The Abarbanel hones in on the phrase in Pasak Zion, but Oso Davar Kasher im Livavi, that I brought him back a report as was in my heart. While other commentators suggest that Kaleiv maintained a front with the other spies but spoke from the heart with Moshe, the Abarbanel says something fascinating. He suggests that Khaliv actually saw what the other spies saw: the giants, the fortified cities that there was truth to what they saw. But Kalev had the wisdom to speak just with Moshe rather than overwhelm the people. Being discerning with one's speech is a sign of wisdom and sensitivity. Not everything needs to be said. Kalev understood that Moshe needed an honest assessment, but the nation didn't need to hear the details that would certainly scare them. And he was correct. He continues, Kalev continues in Pasuk 8, my brothers who went up with me melted the heart of the people. The Anochi Hashem Elokai. and I was fully behind Hashem. And because of this, Moshe swore that the land where I stepped would be my nachla and for my children because I was fully behind Hashem. What drew Kalev to Chevron? And why didn't Yoshua accompany him? Didn't he side with Kalev against the spies? Rashi explains in the Gemara Sotah, Davlamid Dalid Amud Bez, that Kalev went to Hebron unaccompanied to fortify himself with the tefillos of our forefathers. At a time of great vulnerability and risk, Kalev went to receive support from our babis and Zedis to be in their holy embrace. Recognizing one's own vulnerabilities and need for for support is mature and wise. And what about Yehoshua? Moshe had davened for him, and so he was protected. It's a valuable point to consider. When do I feel spiritually vulnerable, and how do I confront those risks? Davening and learning are soul fortifying. Why does he then say that Hashem kept him for 45 years? Clearly, if he's speaking to Yehoshua, he's alive. Kalev wasn't just stating the obvious. Staying alive through the desert was an affirmation that both he and Yehoshua had chosen wisely. But Kalev is not an old 85. He contrasts this with Yehoshua in the first Pasuk of the last parak, Baba Babayamim. Kalev is a youthful 85. Let's look at Pasuk Yud Aleph 11. Odenu hayom chazak. Kasher biyom shlaha hoshi mosha. My strength today is like the day that Moshe sent me. Ki az vechochi My as my strength was then, so is my strength now. Lamil khama velatseis velavo. For war to go out and to come in. Pasukim gimel 13, Yoshua's reaction. Bayvarcheihu Yehoshua. Yehitan le ben blessed him and gave Joshua the son of Yefuna Chevron as an inheritance. What was this blessing? According to the Mitzudos David, Joshua blessed Kalev that he should be victorious against the giants in Chevron, and he shouldn't be the subject of an Ayn Hara. An Hara is when a person looks at another's possessions, family, status, and asks why this person has and I don't. This gaze suggests inequality, jealousy, and arrogance. It suggests that this person knows even better than Hashem as to apportion blessing. And once the ledger is opened and the statements are looked at with further scrutiny, perhaps the person doesn't really deserve what they've been given. The antidote to ayin hara, a cold calculation of what a person does and does not deserve, the antidote is blessing, Shefa, Ravchus, a largess with no judgment or calculation. Yahushua specifically and especially blesses Kalev to affirm his right to the land and fortifies him against anyone who would approach saying otherwise. Note that the perak closes with Yahushua giving Kalev the area of Hebron rather than through the gorel process. Is a recognition of Kalev's love for Eretz Yisrael and his deep, deep connection to the city of Chevron. So we've started the process of Chilok Haaretz, a process that will continue in the prakim to come. Each detail, each city, given with care, love, and concern. Thank you for learning together. Leilu Nishmot Imotenu Hayikarot Esther Oppenheimer Alei Shalom, and Sarah Shanker, allah shalom, each deeply devoted and proud to transmit their family's Torah legacy to the next generations.